And I remember when that, that tenant paid me like $120 more um, than what our mortgage was, like a light bulb click. We know that building wealth comes from owning businesses and making investments. Yet why still do nearly half of businesses fail in the first five years? And why do others lose it all in their investments? Welcome to the Wealth Watchers podcast, your resource for building a massive net worth. We bring real stories from real people who are experts in business and investing, who will share secrets and actionable strategies to amassing wealth and achieving success. Brought to you by Happy Camper Capital. And now, your hosts, Justin Hoggett and Adam Lendy. Welcome back to the Wealth Watchers Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Lundy. With me is my co-host, Justin Hoggett. Justin, how are you? Hey, doing good, Adam. How are you doing today? Fantastic. Uh, back to the grind, feeling good, uh, just getting excited, ready to get our next offering uh, up and running here soon. That's right. Some really good options out there and really look forward to capturing one of them. 100%. So, um, well, without further ado, um, I'd like to introduce our guest today. Um, our guest is a partner and realtor with the group, uh, John Hill. John, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Fantastic. Doing good. Thanks, John. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, John, obviously, we're going to get into your topic here soon, which I think is going to be relevant to a lot of people, especially people getting started in their real estate journey. Um, but ahead of time, I'd really like to know and let our listeners know, of course, a little bit more about you, um, maybe maybe where you come from and why you do what you do. Yeah. Yeah. So I appreciate that. So my name is John Hill. Again, like you said, I'm a, a group agent. Um, and so... I kind of got started. I have some in-laws actually who worked as realtors who recruited me into the space. Um, I went to MSU Denver down in Denver, um, graduated from there with a degree in business management. Didn't really know what I wanted to do. Got uh, a job working downtown and thought I had I had made it um, with a typical nine to five working in the skyscrapers um, in commercial insurance. And then did that for about a year and quickly realized that I was not a nine to fiver, uh, struggled to wake up to make it to, to work and just did not like my job. So I started exploring elsewhere and was fortunate enough that uh, my in-laws um, recruited me into the real estate space. And then I started looking into doing some um, investing to kind of supplement my income while while making that transition. Perfect. And I, now, of course, I love that, you know, one of your goals is financial independence. Um, and yep. and, and I'd, I'd like to know what your strategy is for achieving that. Yeah. So, so since I'm a realtor and kind of, that's my area of expertise, I lean into uh, rental properties of using that. So uh, currently we have three of those, um, uh, a bunch of different types within those, but we use that passive income that we get from the tenants paying more than um, the mortgage to supplement the income. Um, eventually we'll bring in enough to bring my wife hopefully home from work once we get enough income coming in um, and then just be able to use that to kind of unlock that next lifestyle um, of buying back our time. Yeah. Uh, there are a ton of different strategies for getting rental properties. Um, what, what do you embrace? Yeah. So I've used a bunch currently. Um, the property I'm living in right now is uh, what's known as a house hack. So what you do is you live um, in, in the house and then rent per room. It's also known as rent per room strategy. Um, that's what we're currently doing um, and, and doing that. We also have done a partnership deal as another way um, to unlock uh, another property. Yeah. 
So house hack is one that I think is definitely relevant to a lot of people who are starting off in their journey, maybe especially in, in the in the market we're in right now, you know, looking at uh, yeah. what people are going to be buying for. Um, can you kind of explain how that works? Yep. So what you're typically doing is you're buying um, a property as a, a primary residency. What so that unlocks you to uh, allows you to be able to purchase a house with a low down payment. You know, you can use a three and a half um, percent FHA, a three percent to five percent conventional loan. So low down payment, which is really what allows your returns to be a lot higher. So you're able to buy the house because uh, you are a traditional buyer, and then what you do um, for where I am in the Denver market, I'm a little bit north of Denver. I typically look for a three to four bedroom house. Four is normally where we get what's uh, like you eliminate your housing cost um, or a way to add a fourth bedroom. So what we actually did in our current one is there's it's a three bed, two bath, or excuse me, three, three um, townhome. And we rent all three rooms upstairs, um, the master to a couple, and then, then the two individual rooms, which they have a shared bathroom. And then my wife and I actually live in um, an unfinished, well, it's a framed basement now, and we put a bathroom in. Um, so it's a little unique. There are different levels. Um, there's people who live you know, behind uh, the famous curtain in the living room to if you do like a duplex where you want a little bit more privacy if you have kids and stuff like that. But we're we're very committed to to building our portfolio and, and financial independence, and we're able to do that. Um, and so that actually we don't we don't pay a mortgage with having those uh, four other tenants in the house. That's huge. Yeah, perfect. So so no mortgage. Is there a cash flow in addition to that? It's about a hundred dollars. What we include though, um, and we just recently did this, is we also have a, a house cleaner come in about every three weeks, just because. Um, with work and everything else going on, we didn't feel like we wanted to clean the common areas um, for six six people, um, and we have a dog, and so that's kind of where we've put that. So that includes utilities. So our everything all in with mortgage and HOA is like twenty one hundred, and then utilities get us close to about twenty four. Uh, we rent the master for about a thousand, and then the uh, two individual rooms rent for seven fifty. So we've got about a hundred bucks cushion there, and then we use that for the house cleaner. And do you have a, yeah, just one kitchen and all that? Yep, just one kitchen. So it's a shared kitchen uh, living space. We're looking for tenants typically too that don't spend like a lot of time at home or kind of um, want to do more of their own thing where it's more of like, you know, the younger generation where it's just a bed type of thing. Okay. And and so all those add up to, so three bedrooms at 750 and one at 1,000. Two bedrooms at seven fifty and one at a thousand. Okay, got yep. it. Yep. Yeah, and your other two rentals, those are you've already house hacked those. So we did on the first one. So the first one was a, a unique one, and we can dive into that. But we backed our way into a house hack with that. So I was making the transition to being a realtor um, and started realizing, you know, you make only commission income. And I didn't understand how how I was going to pay my full mortgage every month. And we had a second bedroom. So we're like, well, we've got to get a roommate. Like that's the easiest way to make this work. So uh, they paid about a third of it while we were doing that. And then um, we realized that we to get the next property, we were going to have to move in with um, my in-laws. And so we had no idea what to do. And we're fortunate enough, like, well, I guess we'll rent the full place out and had someone approach us and they told us what they wanted to pay and rent. And we're like, that's like $200 more than mortgage. Sure. You're, you're welcome to, to stay there. So yeah. And then the other property, which is in Milwaukee, was a partnership deal where we bought a duplex. Um, and 
my my buddy house hacks that place. Now I'm curious. Obviously, on on the house hack, you know, especially when you're bringing people into your primary residence, the tenant screening process is all the more important that time. Um, yep. You know, kind of what what does that look like for you? Yeah, so we're we're extremely detailed on on um, the the tenant screening process because again, you know, we have people there, and particularly my wife, she's a big introvert and not really want to interact with people. So making sure someone there that makes her feel comfortable, or that if I wasn't home, um, that she would feel comfortable being with her is really important. So what we typically look for is we're looking for over a six fifty credit score three times income um, to rent, and then we do an individual. So those are the criteria that we put out there. No pets, no smokers, anything like that. Um, We do a background check that the tenant pays for, so no criminal history, anything like that, prior evictions. Um, And then after that, what we do is when they come tour the property, we have a list of questions that we use to kind of get an idea of what they look for and what the interests are. So we're looking more to have I guess you could say like the college roommate appeal of like, these may be people you want to hang out with and kind of enjoy, enjoy the time. So we're looking for same type of interests, um, same type of schedules. Everyone in the house is a, a young professional working adult, typically working normal hours. So we don't want someone that's going to be completely opposite of that, um, causing, causing some stress for the other tenants. Yeah. And, and what's the exit strategy for you? So let's say, you know, you're buying your next house, you're moving on. So how do you manage these tenants who are already in place and where, where do you, yeah. What do you yep. Do? So we're fortunate enough. And one of the big things, so my, my wife was a big one who wanted us to move out. And my piece, one of the criteria was we one needed to be able to find a way to house hack it so we could live for free with there. And then, you know, they talk a lot about an in, in investment, you need multiple extra strategies. And personally, when we move out of that house, we don't plan to manage it as a house hack. We'll turn it into a traditional rental. We bought well enough to where it, it will still rent um, as a traditional rental and cash flow. It'll be less, but we won't have to manage um, near the amount of people. And it'll be about still like two two to 300 bucks. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, so you would, I guess, term out all the leases and then yep. at that time. So we would, yep. And so what we do is we normally do, we do a trial period and we want to get better at this, but we do a, um, a trial period of a one to two month, month to month lease. And then after that, what we do is we typically put them on either a six to 12 month lease. Um, and we would time them out to where, when we're ready to make the next move, um, which, would be next March, we'll be able to be eligible to buy another house, which we plan to do. Um, we would have the, the tenants either, um, you know, end their leases then, or if they're interested in renting the full unit out and managing it themselves to find roommates or something like that, we'd be willing to do that. Yeah, you should date, date them before you marry them, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And and again, I think as we get better with our screening, that fear will probably go away because I'll I'll say one of the things with doing that is we've had our first tenant that came in um, only was with us for three months. He was a great tenant, but now I'm advertising to do to find it again and trying to find good tenants takes it a lot more work than I thought. Um, once you get them, you want to keep them. And so that's why we want to make sure we can hopefully get better at it to where we don't need to have that trial period. And I think as my wife becomes more comfortable showing like we didn't have some creeper coming in, staying, staying in the house, we'll be, we'll be better to do that. And so do you find a lot of turnover? Yeah. So we've had, we've had turnover. Um, so we've had only two other tenants in. So full disclosure, the tenants in the master are my brother-in-law and his girlfriend. Um, so that's a unique situation. 
Um, they're not, we're not having any issues with the turnover there. The other two, um, we've only, we had the guy for two months. And then um, the other one is a college kid who did an internship for the summer. So he'll be out here in another month. So turnover has been pretty high, um, but we have tenants lined up to, to move back in. Got it. Yeah. Um, well, and I, I know what my reservations would be about it, but what are your reasons for not keeping the house hacked up when you're not living there? I think it's just the tenant turnover. And one of my fears, and maybe we can work, you know, work through this afterwards is the culture within the house. I think of me not being there. I'm concerned if someone doesn't do something. And one of the things I've learned is people are pretty responsible. And if you give them the freedom to do it, they'll, they'll, they'll be okay. Um, but that would be my biggest concern of things that aren't there going on. Um, and just, just the tenant turnover. And I'm in the middle of of a lot of tenant turnover. And that's probably why I'm like, Oh, I never want to have to manage this if I'm not living there. Um, but you're talking about, you know, a substantial amount of cash flow difference. If we go traditional rental versus house hack. Yeah. How many interpersonal problems do you deal with, with the tenants? Like, you know, uh, they ate my food, they, you know, <laughs> left a mess in the bathroom. Sure. Uh, actually we, we haven't had any, the only conflicts big surprise would have been between, um, my my in-laws and my wife and I, and they're nothing that you wouldn't have with that. Um, so we, the one thing we didn't have a second fridge with six people in the house that became an issue. So we got a second fridge in the garage, but um, the two tenants that we, we haven't known, they've been really good. We've had no issues. I think a lot of people's reservation is like, it's someone you don't know. But if you really think about like, if you roomed with people in college, it was the same type of thing. And you, you find a way to make it work. And, you know, the ebbs and flow of living with people. Um, I probably have bigger issues. And my wife has bigger issues with how I live as opposed to any of the, the tenants that we live with. So who kind of spearheaded this whole venture? Was it your wife or you? Nope. So, so it was me. So I got hooked on, you know, listening to, to podcasts and books and, and saw a different way to, um, living life, uh, a little background. I, I came from, you know, my parents, um, one of them was college educated. The other was a blue collar worker, my dad. And I was always taught to go to college and, and that's, you were going to work, you get a good job. And, and that's how it was. And, um, quickly out of college, I realized that I'm sure my education would have paid for itself over time, but I was, I was grossly underpaid and overqualified for the position that I had. Um, and so I started looking at different ways to do that. And real estate was the one that I chose. Um, and so I, I, when we bought the first property, the townhome um, in Thornton, I, I was the one, my wife and I were just dating at that point. And so I was the one who could make the decisions and do all that piece. And so I kind of was the person that like, was doing that. And I remember when that, that tenant paid me like $120 more, um, than what our mortgage was like a light bulb clicked. And, and I, you know, people talk about it all the time of like, I need like a hundred of these, like, this is amazing. Like people don't understand. Like I didn't do, I may have worked like an hour if, if at most, and I make a hundred bucks, I keep the property, I get appreciation. I have a tax write off and all that piece. So like it, it clicked for me. So then we started moving. And then as our relationship got more serious, she got on board as I kind of pulled back the curtain and showed her more. I wasn't very good about like letting her know like, Hey, this is how much we pay in the mortgage. This is how much money comes in. Cause we were kind of keeping those things separate. But as we got closer, got engaged and got married, um, 
and then now in the house hack, she really got on board when she we got our paychecks from our W-2 income and we got to keep all of it because it wasn't going to the mortgage. Excellent. And now the basement that you live in is partially uh, framed. Are you? Yes. <laughs> are you uncomfortable? How's that feel? Oh, it's uh, so <laughs> we've moved so many times within our own house. This this my friends, when they hear this, they'll laugh at this. So we initially thought when we bought the house, um, we just move into the basement. There was no private bathroom. There was just a half bath on the main floor. And we we ended up I closed a couple deals um, on my real estate business and was able to, to have some money to do that. So we moved two flights upstairs to the one of the bedrooms. Uh, partially finished out, we ran into the fun effects of COVID pricing for construction, uh, which was crazy. But uh, me and some buddies were able to frame it out. We built a bathroom because that was my wife's was like, this is not going to happen if I don't have my own private toilet and shower. Like we're you're not going to you're going to be living alone here real quick. So <laughs> so we did that. Um, and then then we moved back down there. So it's it's just framed. We don't have drywall. We don't have flooring. It's a concrete slab. Um and it's, it's unique. I think we've done a good job of maximizing the space. So some of the things that we did um, is like there's a little office space, but then we set up, my wife set up like a projector and a couch. So it's basically like a studio apartment um, that's just not finished. Um, so it's it's very, very interesting. And my wife tells me all the time, like this better work because look look what I am living in. Like this this is nuts, man. Like you, you've got someone who's committed here. Um, but again, when she sees the rental income come in, um, she's willing to, to sacrifice for it. And having that private space of like that living room was really important to her because if we don't want to see any of the tenants, we can go down there and no one, no one will bother us. Right. Right. So I, I definitely appreciate the sacrifice that you're making and can yep. see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, yep. what, uh, what are you doing with all that extra income that you're holding on to? Are you saving as much as you can. And then you're, you're looking for that next deal. Yeah. So that's the big thing. So, um, right now we, we have some, uh, car loans, so we're paying those off. Those will be paid off probably here in the next month or two. And then we're going to, um, put, put all that towards, towards the next property, whether that's the house hack. Um, we're starting to see that because of how much money we're saving and with my commission coming in, we actually are going to, aim to have another property out of state, uh, before the end of the year, which means we, you know, we wouldn't house hack it. Um, but we're putting, I think we're putting close to 50 to 60% of our income just away, which is, which is nuts. Um, it's insane how much money that we save within a month, just because that, that housing is eliminated. Yeah. Good. Absolutely. So kind of backing up, um, to yep. your, to your background. So you said commercial lending, correct? Uh, it was commercial insurance, much Her more boring. Insurance. <laughs> Sorry. So yeah. So what, how did that maybe lead you into where you're at now and, and did it help? Yeah. So, so as far as the job, there was actually some relationships that, that, um, were built there that were really important. I have a mentor that actually was a, a sales rep there. That's been really instrumental. Um, because you know, I'm in sales as a realtor, but one of the most important things um, that I learned from there was I remember I had been there about a year and I was going in for my yearly review. Um, and I had probably about six months in, I was like, okay, I'm really going to commit to this. I'm going to give everything I got and really see, you know, how far I can grow within this company. And we had just been bought by another company 
and I go in to meet with my manager and he says, John, you're doing an awesome job. You're, you're crushing it. Um, you're not going to get a raise. Um, we'll reevaluate it next year. And I kind of looked at him like, what, what are you talking about? Like I've, I've been busting my butt. There are people who have been here longer than me making substantially more than me doing way less. Um, and it kind of clicked of like, the amount of work you do in a nine to five does not determine your income. Like if I was the worst employee in the room, I was going to get paid the exact same if I was the best. And so I started to look for things where my direct um, effort or, you know, time spent into it would start to reflect the income that I made. And both within real estate sales and investing, you know, the bigger they say, the bigger problem I solve, the more income I'll make um, is, is that way. So I think that's the biggest thing that I learned and just some of those relationships from it. And would you do it again? I, I would, yeah, because I learned very quickly that I was not the nine to fiver, right? Like I talk about, I've talked about my quality of life during that time period. I was, I had to be up at like six o'clock. I would snooze like 10 times. I was <laughs> riding the bus downtown. Like I was, I was miserable and I didn't realize it until I got outside of it. Like I, I wake up, on average now at four in the morning and I'm like, wake, jumping out of bed, raring to go. Cause I like what I do and I, I get to help people. Um, so that was one of those best things, but that's the only thing I knew. No one had taught me anything different. That's, that's the only path that I saw for me was I was going to climb the corporate ladder and hopefully have enough money to retire when I got to 60. Yeah. And you mentioned, of course, obviously the number of bathrooms being important if you were starting a house hack, uh, you, you mentioned, of course, for you, four plus bedrooms is ideal, but you know, three yep. plus can work. Um, how about finding a location? You know, are there things you look for like proximity to job centers, you know, where you're going to find your good tenants? Yep. Yep. So, so those are, those are extremely important, um, because location will determine typically your rent. Right. Um, but we had a unique situation where we had to, you know, the closer you are to Denver, the higher your, uh, typical, um, rent will be. But the issue for us, also the price of the house goes up substantially as you get closer to Denver. So we kind of found a sweet spot. We're in, it's it's Frederick. So it's about 20, 30 minutes north of uh, like the north part of Denver on I-25. And we're also 15 minutes from Boulder and about 30 to 40 minutes from Fort Collins. So we kind of found a sweet spot that just about anyone, if they were going to Northern Denver or Denver, Boulder or Fort Collins is about a 30 minute drive. And that has allowed us because our, our rent is actually higher than some people in, in parts of Denver because of that. Um, it's a more sought after area, particularly with Boulder and the mountains being right there. So that was one of the things that we really wanted to make sure we prioritized of a location that, um, would attract multiple types of tenants. So like our first tenant, um, he was a crop duster that worked out um, east of us. Our second tenant was an intern who worked in Boulder. And then our next one who's lined up is someone else who works in Boulder. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Well, John, what, what would you, what would somebody need to do to get started? Obviously, what, what, what's, what are the first maybe few action items to really make this work and be successful with it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's very similar to what, what it would be like to buy, buy your first house. And I think that's one of the things that makes it a little bit more comfortable, but you want to make sure that particularly like the agent, and, and I'll say this, I was fortunate enough, like my in-laws were it, and then I am an agent. The agent is going to make a big difference in understanding the concept of it, right? Because typically if you're looking for a normal single family home, it's you're looking at the niceness of the countertops, maybe if all the kids can live there, but now you need to look at 
Is it functional for a bunch of random strangers to live? Is the kitchen big enough, right? Are there private bathrooms for everyone? Or if there's a shared bathroom, it, that's going to change what rent is. Um, so I would say, you know, you, you'd want to get, talk to an agent who has experience within that type of niche. And there's, there's tons of them, um, you know, as home prices continue to skyrocket, there's more people that are having to do this. And then you would want to go through, um, you know, a lender to get pre-approved, which again, it's really nice. You get to use that low down payment. Um, and then, you know, educating or connecting with, with someone who's done it, there's tons of spaces and networks out there, um, of that. And I've talked to multiple people and that, that made me feel more comfortable that there were other people out there doing what I was aiming to do. Um, because like when I told my, my family that I was going to do this, they looked at like, you're, you're crazy, dude. Like, why are you going to let a bunch of random people live with you and your newly married wife? Um, so having a space where those people can support you and kind of guide you on that's extremely important. Got it. And if somebody wanted to reach out to you, maybe to ask any questions or, you know, get any guidance in getting this started, how would they do that? Email is one of the best ways. Um, and then on Instagram. So my email is jhill at the group inc.com. So if anyone wants to reach out to me there and then, um, my Instagram jhill1244 on Instagram. So pretty frequent on there and then email would be the best way. Perfect. Well, John, thanks for sharing today. Um, obviously, before we head off the air, um, we'd like to give you a chance at the Wealth Watchers Brain Pick. So Justin, if you want to take that away. All right. Time for the Brain Pick. Five questions for you. First one, what is your superpower or unique natural ability? Yeah. So I would say ability to connect and relate to people. I have a little bit of a uh, I, I guess I, I was taught through it through my company, but it's asking forward questions. So this is a great thing if you want to kind of connect people. So um, F is family, ask about their family. O is occupation. R is recreation. And dreams is for D. If you ask anybody about that, I guarantee you people will will spill their guts because those are the things that people love and care about and they'll, they'll talk. Um, and typically within that, I look for something that's relatable or connecting to my life and share that with them and it's, it's a great way to build some relationships. Absolutely. Kind of sounds like a little bit like Dale Carnegie. Are you familiar yep. with him? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So the, the person who taught it to me is Larry Kendall and I'm sure he got it from Dale Carnegie. Yeah. All right. Uh, if you were to go back three to five years, what might you have done differently that you wish you could have? <laughs> I think, I think, um, self-educating earlier would have been, would have been important. Um, I had always kind of relied upon my education to come from, you know, the system that we had all been taught. Um, and once I started reading books and starting to discover things for myself, it really unlocked a lot of things. It opened my eyes to, again, a world that I hadn't experienced. And then I can say the classic one, I wish I would have gotten to real estate sooner and bought more, right? You never hear an investor say, I wish I would have um, not bought that property earlier. I wish, I wish I had more. Yeah. Right. So, okay. Where are you heading in the next three to five years then? Yes. So I wrote, wrote a goal back when I was 25, I'm 27 now to have um, financial independence. Um, so to supplement my income. So we're looking at, it would be just around uh, supplement my W2 income. So that's what comes in every month, not my sales commissions, but that would be having $4,000 of passive income coming in. So we're just about to a thousand bucks here, um, hopefully with the next property. And then if we can uh, get that to 4,000 by the time I turn 30 in the next three years, we'll, we'll be doing just right. Absolutely. Good luck. And it's totally doable. I appreciate that. What is your favorite book on business or money? 
Yep. So I'm, I'm going to have to be biased to my company here, but uh, the Ninja Ninja Selling, uh, Larry Kendall. And I think that book's extremely applicable to anything in sales or relationship building. It's wrote for um, real estate agents, but again, it's it's a different sales book. Instead of focusing on the sale, it's focusing on the relationship because people want to work with people they know, like, and trust. And if you focus on building those relationships, that business will come to you. Got it. Sounds great. Uh, what has been your biggest aha moment? So the biggest aha moment, and I know a lot of people say this, but it was when that tenant paid me more than the mortgage and there was my bank account went up and I kept the property. It, it, it was a light bulb that went off and it, it lit a fire under me of, like I said, I need, I need a thousand of these. This is, this is so, um, replicable and it requires so little work. Well, not no work, but a lot less than what you have to do at your W2. Great. All right. Well, thank you for that. Definitely appreciate all the answers and your information today. Uh, good, good outcome, I think for you so far and keep yeah. it up. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate you guys it. having me on here. Yeah. All right. This has been another episode of the Wealth Watchers podcast. I'm your host, Adam Lundy, and with my co-host, Justin Hoggett, thank you for listening. All right. Thanks, guys. And until next time. This has been the Wealth Watchers podcast. If you enjoyed this content, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about Wealth Watchers and our parent company, Happy Camper Capital, please visit happycampercapital.com.